Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, this is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope, that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Today, I'm sitting down with Jane Ehrman. She is the owner of Images of Wellness, working as a mind-body medicine and behavioral health specialist. She helps clients transform their health and life challenges into opportunities for healing and personal growth. She works with adults and children on a variety of issues related to stress and healthy lifestyle. Jane's own experience with breast cancer over 32 years ago profoundly shaped her view of life and health in positive and powerful ways. She candidly shares her insights with high energy, compassion, and humor. Jane has a variety of guided meditation audio programs for health and healing available on her website. I look forward to sharing my conversation with Jane, but before I do, just a reminder to head over to my website at revivewellness.com to get your free seven top tips to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. That's R-E-V-I-V-E wellness.com. Hi, Jane. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. I'm so looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you, Haley. I'm just I'm just delighted to be with you. Now, first, I just really want to hear about your journey with cancer. So at the age of 37, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I found the lump uh, during a shower. Uh, doing breast self-exam, and I knew immediately it didn't feel normal. You know, breasts tend to be lumpy, and this this felt different. It was hard, and it was different. So I immediately called my doctor. I think I was still wrapped in a towel when I did, had a mammogram and all that. Basically, I had a, a modified radical mastectomy with immediate reconstruction, and I had uh, a breast implant uh, put in. I went through, let's see, there were four lymph nodes that were involved with cancer, and the cancer was hormone-driven because I was so young. And uh, I went through six months of chemotherapy, pretty high-powered chemotherapy. And then, if it's all right to share, 12 years later, I had a recurrence. And uh, I had a lumpectomy from that. It was in the in the the same place as the original cancer, and I had six weeks of radiation. So I'm sorry, was it a double mastectomy the first time? No, or just it was my left. It was my your left, left breast. Okay, okay, I got it. Because I know 
you know, usually when you have both removed, people say that you don't usually have a recurrence, but I've heard that that could happen even with getting both removed. So that's why well, the recurrence can occur whether you have bilateral mastectomy or or one breast removed because they cannot remove 100% of cells. You can have microscopic, microscopic cells there. And um, so that's just one of the things. That's why you go through chemotherapy or radiation. Um, but I did have that recurrence 12 years later. And uh, we could talk more about that later too. Absolutely. And, you know, I know you had young children at the time. So I was just yes. wondering how you approach that with them? Because I know it's a hard topic when you have young kids, just because you don't want to scare sure. them. They were nine, seven, and three. My daughter was nine and two sons, seven and three. And what I did uh, was when I came home from having the lumpectomy so that I knew that the biopsy to know that it that it was cancer, I talked with each one of them individually. And I said that I, I have um, I have a problem in my breast and that I'm going to have to have my breast removed. I didn't use the word cancer because I, I didn't I wasn't quite sure how much my daughter would understand that at age nine. Of course, for most people, when we think cancer, we think dying. And my sons were just too young. But I said for for me to be healthy, uh, I have to have my breast removed and um having that individual talk with each of them was very helpful because I could share that in different ways, but I wanted them to know I was going to be going to the hospital for a couple of days and then I would be home. It's interesting. My daughter um, looked at me and we've always worked to be askable parents, ask us anything. We, we might struggle with how we answered, but at least you always can ask. And she said, mommy, did I do something wrong that God would give you? cancer, because I think I did use the word cancer with her. And my heart just ached that that she would think that she would feel guilty, that maybe she did something wrong. And I told her, when I was her age, we had this saying called step on a crack, break your mother's back. So <laughs> your age wouldn't understand this, but people who are my age uh, would. And I said, there were times I was so angry with grandma, I couldn't find enough step and enough cracks on the sidewalk to step on. I said, that isn't how, this isn't how it is. If, if uh, God were going to punish us, we, we wouldn't get past age two without being fried, basically. This is what happens in life. We get sick. We have chicken pox and, and colds and flu and all kinds of illnesses. And God is there to help us get through those times. So no, you didn't do anything wrong. And there was, you could just see her shoulders drop you know, and, and she was able to breathe more easily. That's so great. It's such a good thing to, to tell her and just for other people to hear, because I'm sure yes. that is so common, so common. Well, e virtually every, uh, every civilization around the world, no matter how primitive or advanced believes when something, when something bad happens to them, they must have done something wrong. It's, it's as though it's wired in us. So I'm really glad she was able to ask and I could clarify that. And, you know, it brings me to the question about your faith in God, because, uh, you know, I know when we last spoke, you said that you have a lot of faith in God. And I know a lot of patients when they go through cancer or other health scares, 
they question everything, you know, why would God do this to me sure. and all that. So how did right. your faith help you? It's interesting because initially my faith was, oh, God, please, please don't let it be cancer. Well, it was, but please, God, don't let me need to have surgery. Well, I needed to. Oh, God, don't let it have uh, it spread. You know, it's after a while I wanted to say, never mind, God, I won't ask. And what I learned was God doesn't just take stuff away. Sometimes there things go away, but for the most part, that isn't how it is. But what I came to realize is God energy is there to help us feel the strength, the comfort, the courage, the calm, and the love to get through things. That energy is a part of us. It's not only a part of us, but it's part of of people around us. It's part of those who come and help us, our medical team, family, friends, others who come into our lives at different special times to help us navigate these parts of our journey. So that's what I changed to believing. Instead of believing God is the cosmic bellhop, oh God, please, and then it happens, uh, that that it's about tapping into that God energy that's a part of me and use it to help me to move through those times and be part of the goodness when other people are moving through difficult times. Yes. I mean, just, just you saying that I feel at ease, you know, I'm sure you help so many people and uh, you know, I wanted to hear about, cause I know you work with people on guided imagery and I, I was curious how you got introduced to that. So when my sister was going through her graduate program in counseling, she was trained in guided imagery as, as one of the, the uh, modalities to use. And so she practiced and taught me, here's how to do guided imagery. And so she, uh, she would practice on me and facilitate me going through guided imagery for just calm and relaxation. And then I used it to help me move through all three cesareans when I had my children Um, And I certainly brought it into play when I was going through cancer treatment and recovery. I'm sure. So can you just talk a a little bit about the benefits of guided imagery? Sure. Uh, Guided imagery is gold standard in top hospitals around the world. It has been studied for well over 50 years now. And um, Clinical research just knows how how well it helps. And it can help with unmanaged stress to relieve it, to regulate high blood pressure. Uh, It can help with stress-related conditions like irritable bowel, recurrent um, tension, headaches, uh, those kinds of things. Reduce anxiety, chronic pain relief, help people avoid um, opiates or to be able to use them less frequently. Uh, certainly can help speed healing and recovery, reduce complications like bleeding post-op or infections, or when we're in high stress, we we heal so much more slowly and it can change that. Uh, certainly patients who have done guided imagery before abdominal surgery uh, and given themselves the suggestions that their bowel and bladder will wake up normally and quickly after the surgery are able to leave the hospital as much as two days sooner because after abdominal surgery, you can't leave until you've been able to empty your bowel and bladder. And all those functions are put to sleep when you have general anesthesia. 
guided imagery can help them wake up faster. Uh, certainly, it's, it's very advantageous to help minimize side effects from chemotherapy, nausea, vomiting, uh, fatigue, those kinds of things. The same with radiation. And so now you say that hospitals are, are using that more? Are mm-hmm. using that? Oh, yes. Because I know mine was so long ago, you know, I had ovarian cancer 23 years ago now, and none of that. I mean, I, I was thinking of the nausea and just the fatigue and sure. That, wow, that would have been sure. great. It, I, I, was, uh, I was a trailblazer uh, 30, almost 33 years ago now. Uh, it'll be 33 years next month that I had the surgery, yes, uh, in, in being able to do that. So it was new to many of those, but it was clear to the medical team that by using it, I was doing much better than the average patient. Amazing. And how is it different than guided meditation? Well, guided meditation can be any number of things. You can have a guided meditation in gratitude, a guided meditation in mindfulness or in passive or progressive relaxation. Guided imagery is purposely going into that daydream state and imagining, using all of your senses to some degree, imagining being in a calm or peaceful or relaxing place. Many call it visualization. I don't call it visualization because not everybody's visual. Uh, I may invite you to imagine that you're at a beach and you don't see the sand and the waves, but you hear them and you smell the salty air and you feel the warm sand between your toes. You may get glimpses of the of the visual of it or not at all. So it's really about using all of your senses to some degree. It's a natural way we process our thoughts. When someone starts telling you about a great vacation they went on, you start imagining it in your imagination. It's just a natural way we process things. Did you feel that your perceptions back when you were first diagnosed with cancer, you know, about chemotherapy, about cancer in general, did you feel like those were barriers to getting well or they could be barriers? Absolutely. Just the very words cancer and everybody that I had known in my family or around me that had had cancer had died. So the first thought was have cancer, die. Chemotherapy, hair fall out, sick as a dog, not good. So I came into it the way many people come into it, not at all feeling good about this process, but working with a therapist um, and tapping in to how I could address these things. I mean, I have to tell you that the nurse walked in with the tray of IVs the first time and I'm ready to toss my cookies. And nobody even put a, an IV in me yet. I mean, I'm already feeling sick. So the anticipatory side effects of nausea and vomiting and that before you're even touched are pretty powerful. And, and I said to my therapist, you know, I, 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 the first round of chemo, I was so sick. I thought, you know, if I die, I'll feel better. And that's not where I wanted to go. Yes. <laughs> and so he, he said, let's do some guided imagery. And so I was able to disconnect from all the sensations of uh, that we're anticipating, the nausea, vomiting it, you know, being hypervigilant, looking for those things. We don't do that when we take an aspirin or, or uh, you know, uh, some kind of other medication. We don't, is it hit yet? You know, we just expect it will and it'll, it'll help us. So the imagery really helped me 
to change the way I thought about this. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if, if you want this story. Actually, it was my plastic surgeon who, when I said, oh, you know, I've, I've taken good care of myself all along, worked out, ate well, all these things, and now I've got cancer. You're going to have me take these poisons. And that's, that's really what I called chemo. And he stopped me and took my hands and looked me in the eye. And he said, if you look at it as poison, your body could block its effectiveness and you might die. He said, do you want to die? I said, no, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with my life at this point. <laughs> Besides raise my kids and be in my marriage. He said, then you have to take it into your body lovingly and send it to the hot spots. And I thought, that is rare. I've never heard this before. I said, do you talk to your colleagues about this? He said, no, they don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt empowered that this was something I could do, that I could change the way I view this. He said, you have to look at this very powerful medicine that happens to have side effects and take it into your body lovingly and send it to the hot spots. And I thought, wow, that's empowering. And it was also scary because I thought, what if I can't do that? You know, fear is something that creeps in. And that's what I work to do is to welcome it into my body and say, come and, you know, clear this stuff out. I think that's so powerful. I mean, because the mind-body connection is just huge. And I think, well, I know cancer comes with so much fear. So sure. just kind of changing your perception and saying, you know what, yeah. this is going to help me. Uh, because yeah. I know a lot of people feel, I don't want to do this. I don't want to put poison in my body. I know I thought about that too. Sure. And, you know, I went from 72 hours of nausea, vomiting, gastritis, lying on the sofa with a wastebasket and my kids terrified looking at me to being able to go and take a morning of IVs. My sister and I would get lunch on the way home at a restaurant. I would come home and take a nap. My mom would bring our three-year-old over as she took care of him during the day when I would have treatment got my kids off the bus, could eat dinner with them. It was so powerful. It's still powerful to me to have that huge of a transition. And other patients started saying to me, what are you doing? Because you look better than we do. And I knew I did. And so I started telling them what I was doing. And then you went and got trained for it, right? Because they, they wanted me to do it with them. I thought that's not ethical. I can't do that. I'm not trained in this. So you're right. I went to graduate school and I got trained in, in this work so that I could help others. So, um, so amazing. And just real yeah. quick, I just wanted to ask you about your second recurrence because I'm guessing that this all helped you deal with that. I mean, of course, it's a punchy oh, yeah. butt and all that, but just tell me a little bit about that. Well, sure. After I went through a, a considerable crying jag and kind of screaming and yelling to, with myself of, oh, my gosh, I, I got quiet and I realized, wait a minute, I learned a lot the first time with cancer. I wonder what I'll learn this time. And that's how I chose to go through this. I went back into therapy with my therapist um, and began to look at the kinds of, of things that were going on in my life that were not healthy. I, I was in a, a position in, in my career while I, I was just always trying to prove that I was good enough. And what I learned in 
in this, in that recurrence time was, I don't have to prove myself to anybody. I'm fine, just the way I am. Not that I'm not trying to grow and improve, but I don't have to prove my value to anybody. Uh, and that was, that was profound for me. That is so profound. You know, I could so relate to what you're saying because I think when you go through cancer or any major health challenge, you really look inside and think, you know, what can I do differently? What do I need in my life? And that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly what you did. And, you know, I know when we spoke earlier, you mentioned that you felt like cancer was a gift. And I know people, again, struggle with that, you know, oh, it's not a gift because I wouldn't want to give it to someone else. But I I definitely think there's so many blessings when it comes to cancer. So I just wanted you to talk a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, Well, it it was almost at a year at the, the, the first year coming through this that I realized what a gift it was. I was, I almost couldn't say it out loud to myself. That sounded so perverse. We mean, how can cancer be a gift? But the truth is it taught me so much Uh, about the power of our inner resources to be able to calm ourselves, quiet ourselves, disconnect where we need to disconnect from the negatives that we're focusing on and uh, change the way we respond to things, uh, whether it's serious illness or other things in our life. It was a strong lesson for me in developing courage. Courage is being scared and doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I had done so well growing up and much of my early adult life was be afraid. And so this was about facing the fear of the unknowns. Am I going to live or not? Uh, How will my life be? You know, uh, will I die? How will I die? All those kinds of things. It taught me about the power of love the power of love, not just of family and friends who supported me, but learning to love myself. That means learning to take care of my needs that nobody else could do for me. You know, nobody else could breathe for me when I'm holding my breath or shallow breathing when I'm stressed. No one else can tap into my power. I can do that. No one else you know, will choose what I'm eating or how physically active I am, all those kinds of things. Um, And that um, the other the other gift is I wouldn't be doing this work if it hadn't been for the cancer. I was on a whole different path. And if somebody had told me back then, oh, you're you're going to be doing this kind of work, I'd have laughed so hard, (laughs) walked away like they're nuts. Uh, but I remember my my dear friend, Debbie, who lived across the street saying when I was moving through the early stages of the cancer, she said, you're going to touch people's lives. And I said, oh, shut up, Debbie. I just don't want to die. She <laughs> reminds me of that often and lovingly. Um, but yes, for me, cancer has been a gift and it isn't the only gift. I I have learned to look at the challenges in my life as opportunities to grow and change. What is this situation trying to teach me? What do I need to do here? It's a it's a whole different and more powerful, empowering way to move through my life. Mm, it's so profound. And it's exactly why I'm doing this podcast, because I feel that 
cancer can help people grow and learn about themselves and what they want and they could be more resilient and all that good stuff. So I, I just love, love what you said. Uh, you know, I wanted to see if you could possibly do a sample of your guided imagery. I know, you know, sure. we don't have a lot of time, but just, just so the audience gets an idea. Okay. So, uh, for someone who, well, for any of us, when we feel rattled and afraid, stressed out because of uh, an upcoming scan that we have to do or a test, a mammogram, a blood test or whatever, uh, here's something you can do. And so if, if you're listening to this podcast and you're driving somewhere, this is not a good time for you to do this, okay? Just want to cover my bases here. Glad you said that. <laughs> Listen to this piece later. Just go pause right now. But if if you're sitting somewhere where you can do this safely, uh, because you are going to zone out, uh, I invite you to just gently close your eyes or lower your gaze, whatever is comfortable, and breathe normally. Your body knows when to take each breath. And allow each breath to come and go in its own way. And your mind is going to wander to other things. And when it does, just bring your focus back to breathing. And allow yourself to get a little more settled and comfortable as you're sitting. And you're invited to take three cleansing breaths. Take the first one, exhale from the mouth slowly and let yourself get more settled and comfortable. Couple of normal breaths before you take the second cleansing breath. Good and deep, exhale slowly, softly from the mouth. Exhaling from the mouth is an immediate stress reliever. And a couple of normal breaths more settled and comfortable. Take a third breath that way, nice and deep. Long, soft exhale, subtly from the mouth, let it go. And as you get more settled and comfortable, imagine that you're standing in front of a closed door. And on the other side is a peaceful, comfortable place. And you take a comfortable breath in. And as you breathe out, that door opens and you walk in. And you may notice the place on the other side of that door may be familiar or it may be someplace new. With your senses, notice your surroundings. What do you see in the scenery around you? What are the sounds there that you find particularly enjoyable? And notice how the air smells and feels. What's the temperature there? And notice how you feel being there. Choose a place where you can sit or stretch out. And allow yourself to experience being in this place as deeply as you wish in the surroundings that are comfortable and calm. And allow yourself to take in the wonderful energy there. Notice how you feel being there, maybe a little more settled and comfortable. 
calmer. Imagine breathing in that energy or taking it in through the sounds of that place and the feel of the air there. It's like a shower of that energy that washes over you and moves through you, bringing that comfortable energy to all of you, your body, your mind, lifts your spirits. And you can anchor the energy of this place. You can bring together on one hand your thumb and one of your fingers and take a breath. You're invited to do that now. Thumb and a finger together and take a breath and tell yourself, when I do this, I experience the wonderful energy of this place. And the more I practice this, the easier and more effective it is. So then take your thumb and finger apart and bring to mind something that's a little stressful, just a little. And when you have it, now bring your thumb and that finger together and take a breath and tap into the wonderful energy of this place. And notice how good that feels. And you can tell yourself, anytime I can tap into the positive energy and live from it, no matter what's going on around me or inside me. It's something to practice. So take a moment and thank this place for the little gift it is to you. And then shift your focus to your breath and walk back through that doorway and bring with you the wonderful energy of this place and the new tool you have, the anchor of thumb and finger together in a breath to tap into that energy. And then become present with your physical surroundings and gently open your eyes. So if you have to go in for an MRI or CAT scan or something, Close your eyes and go off to a place like that. If you need to be present and interact with what's going on around you, then before you go into that situation, tap into that energy and use your anchor and allow yourself to tap into that power within yourself. Practice makes it easier. Okay. That was great. And I love the anchor. So you can mm. do it again. You could think about it and not just have yeah. that one time that you're doing it. Practice it when you don't need it so that when you do, it's there. So yeah. smart. So smart. So before we get into the random round questions, just any last words you want to leave with us? When you're going through the cancer journey, always, but especially in the beginning, put together a list of questions to ask the medical team. Take someone with you who can take notes and write down what the medical team says, because you aren't going to remember it all. You're going to hear a line or two, and you're going to be off in your head working that through and miss the whole next paragraph. Always take someone with you to take notes. Don't let yourself be rushed into decisions. 
really think through what will be best for you. What will, what can you make peace with in doing? One of the things I decided was this is the kind of treatment I am, I am good with. Um, it's my choice. And however it works out, I chose it. I'm not making a choice based on what everybody else thinks I should do. Tap into your own wisdom for that sort of thing. And then tap into your power to help you move through these things. I always tell people, don't call it my cancer. Really, you want to own that stuff? Call it the cancer. I learned that very early on. It's here to teach me. I'm here to learn from it and then release it. <laughs> yes. I'm not going to hold on to this stuff. Uh, now, the other piece is, if you don't like the word chemo, and I didn't like it, I said to my medical team, call it my treatment. I didn't like the word medicine either. So what is a positive word for your treatment? You figure that out and you ask your team to use that. Great, great advice. Thank you. One last thing. Yes. <laughs> Compare yourself to people who are doing well moving through the cancer journey. There are always going to be people who aren't doing well and who die. And all of us eventually will die. But recognize they're on their journey. You have to focus on your journey. And over the years, I've focused and I've, I've compared myself to those who are doing well. And how do I want to do things so that I do well? That's really smart. Because I know sometimes people go to support groups and they it could be a good thing because you're getting support from other people, but then you also hear some of the bad stuff. So you really have to yeah. see their journey. <laughs> exactly. They have their journey. I have mine. Exactly. And it just made me think, you know, what do you recommend to people after treatment is over? Because I know for myself and so many others I talk to, that's almost scarier, right? Because you're getting back into normal life and you're thinking, okay, well, what do I do now? Right. Well, at least when I was going through treatment, the treatment was doing something. Now it's up to me. And, and I say, um, create a new normal for yourself. Create your own self-care routine. And, and there are five pieces to self-care. The first one is sleep. If you don't get good sleep, the wheels fall off of everything else. So make sure you're getting adequate sleep. Make sure that you're eating food that truly does fuel your body. So often in cancer treatment, you know, medical team says, eat whatever you want. Uh, you know, cookies are not really nutritious. They, you know, they taste good, uh, but you need to eat food that's nutritious. Uh, you need some physical activity. Listen to your body and do some sort of physical activity uh, within what is you're capable of doing your situation. Talk to your, your medical team about that. Relieve your stress. Stress is a huge factor, okay? So practicing mindfulness, practicing different forms of meditation, figure out what works for you. Um, that's really, really important. Um, actually, that's the fifth one. Uh, the fourth is meditation, is uh, stress relief. The fifth is meditation. Some, sort, some form of that. Prayer can be a form of meditation uh, for those for whom that's, that's uh, something relatable and, and, and meaningful to them. And sometimes yeah. just getting out in nature, right? Be out in nature. Absolutely. 
gratitude, lots of gratitude. That's a good thing. You know, even writing it down, writing three things you're grateful oh, yeah. for, five things you're Absolutely. grateful for. That's great. Absolutely. So are, you, are you ready for the random round question? I'm ready for the random round. Okay. So fill in the blank. Freedom to you is? Being myself without seeking approval or pleasing others. And that's something I'm continuing to work on. The last show you binged and loved? Downton Abbey. Lots of life lessons in there. Lots of character development. I love that show. When you're feeling afraid, what do you do? Stop, breathe, and ask myself, how much of what I'm afraid of here do I have control over or not? And if I don't have control over it, I breathe it away and let it go. And if I do have control over it, then I figure out, so what do I need to do with this? What, what are the solutions I need to take here? Um, that's what I do. If you could have a one-hour discussion with someone past or present, who would it be and why? Sorry, it wouldn't be anything less than a group meeting. <laughs> uh, those who've gone before me, uh, family members, old friends, um, just to reconnect. Although I have said at times, I want to meet with God because I have questions. <laughs> and I don't want to go into the questions, but those are my choices. Either it's a group meeting. <laughs> I want to meet with God because I have questions. <laughs> now, what is your favorite go-to snack? I don't have one. It depends on what I have at home. Fruits, nuts, um, crackers and nut butter, uh, leftovers from a meal, a previous meal. It varies. It truly does vary from day to day. What's one simple thing that brings you joy? Being out in nature. There's nothing like it. Feel the same exact way. What's on your nightstand? My lamp. That's it. Just my lamp. Uh, I don't, I don't read in bed. Uh, None of that stuff. I go to sleep. And what is one thing you're really grateful for in your life right now? Being in Napa, close to my family. We just moved out here and uh, the sunshine, the deep blue skies, and just being with my family, my kids, my grandkids, uh, is life-giving. Absolutely life-giving. Sounds perfect. And finally, where can people reach you? Oh, you can reach me uh, on my website, imagesofwellness.com. And you can also Google me uh, and find me. But uh, I do have an audio library that people can subscribe to, to hear my guided uh, imagery meditations. It's my voice, beautiful music underneath for a variety of things, health issues and wellness. Great. Thank you so much, Jane. This was a wonderful conversation and I love what you're doing to help others and sharing your story. Thank you, Haley. Thank you for reaching out to me. It's been a blessing to do this with you. And I hope that it touches many lives, both in the work you do and I do in in this podcast. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. 
Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. And remember, the sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.